The Lost Mystery Podcast with Anton and Evan is dedicated to the more than casual viewers of the hit TV show, Lost. Contact us at info at lostmysterypodcast.com with your questions, comments, or feedback. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this uh, first episode of the Lost Mystery Podcast with Anton and Evan. I am Evan. And I'm Anton. And we're going to discuss today the very first episode of the very first season of Lost, uh, which is the pilot. It's an hour and a half episode, so if you're watching the DVDs, it's probably the first two tracks on the DVD. So uh, we'll dive right in. The basic premise of this show is that uh, I've been watching Lost since the first episode of season two, and I've been pretty um, obsessed with it since then, and uh, Anton has just started watching it here in the last uh, month or so. So we thought we'd do this show and kind of uh, chronicle all of the things that we discover about it as I rewatch it and he watches it for the first time. So let's just jump into discussion about uh, season one. Did you have any things, Anton, that you wanted to, to bring up from the pilot? Uh, yeah, you know, I, when I first first uh, watched this episode, first off, uh, my head was spinning from, from the first scene. Uh, I, I, it, first thing I seen was, you know, this guy in this weird area, and then I, I noticed a plane crash. Uh, you know, obviously I couldn't miss that. But uh, my big thing was I didn't know, and I still don't know, why this plane crashed, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, that had me thinking through the first, uh, couple episodes, uh, about that. And for, for me, I was trying to figure that out. So I was, uh, all about trying to pinpoint a reason and a person to blame. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so here I was picking up on these characters and trying to figure out why and who was a bad guy, you know, or girl. Yeah. And I think that's, that's somewhat still a mystery that has yet to be solved today. I mean, from the very beginning, I remember people talking about, you know, is this a, a normal plane crash, you know, where there was some kind of problem and the plane went down? Or was this some type of plan that was masterminded by someone? And there were some little bits of information in the pilot that I think kind of shed a little bit of light on that, but not a lot. Um, for one thing, Kate mentioned that she didn't black out when the plane started to go down, that she had actually uh, witnessed the entire crash, which means... You know, the plane did actually crash. It wasn't like they right. placed the plane on the beach and staged the whole thing, you know, unless right. she's somehow I, which, in cahoots. Right, which I, I did think for a second that that might have been the case uh, mm-hmm. until it, it did show Kate's uh, perspective. So yeah. kind of. And when it shows Kate, you know, with the U.S. Marshal on the plane, I mean, we have to kind of assume that they're showing us something that actually happened and, and not necessarily just creating something to try to confuse us. So. I think right, we can right. pretty much say that uh, it was an actual plane crash. It may have been brought down intentionally by someone else, but I don't think it's something that they staged. Yeah, I agree. The thing that I I immediately jumped to after that was um, basically where where did it crash? Uh, because you got this crazy island, you know, and the, you get these uh, little a little clue, okay, from the pilot that they were turning around and they were off track. That's why nobody's going to be able to find them. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, it just they kind of talk about their, their location mm-hmm. quite a bit because people are confused. Why isn't anybody looking for them? Why is anybody finding them? And I'm, I'm thinking, what kind of island is this? Is this some kind of like, you know, crazy, crazy like uh, powered – island that's uh, got monsters on it and all kinds of stuff (laughs) well one thing we do find out about the location of the island is i think if i remember correctly the pilot says that they were uh, let's see if i can see my notes here they were six hours into their flight from 
um, Australia to Los Angeles, and their radio went out. So they turned back to land in Fiji. But by the right. time they hit the turbulence um, and subsequently crashed, they were actually a thousand miles off course, which is why no one could find them. Right. Um, but I'm I'm not so sure we still really know much more about you know where the actual island is or any of that stuff. Right. Um, no. And one of the other big mysteries that came very early in the episode was the whole monster, uh, the mm-hmm. sounds of the monster from the jungle, <laughs> which yeah, <laughs> which kind of sets the show up at first to kind of be a, like a monster movie or something. But um, I think there are some some hints that maybe there it's not just that's not the premise of the show that that's not what it's going to be about is a monster in the jungle. Okay, you might you might have to explain those premises to me because I'm still convinced there is a monster in the jungle. Well, I think um, I'm so. <laughs> I think there is a monster, but I'm not sure that that's actually the focus of the show. Like, I right. don't think that's meant to be the the driving plot of the show that there are these people that crash landed on an island, and by the way, there's a monster there as well. I think there's going to be something much deeper than that. That's that this show's about. And one of the things that that kind of suggested that to me was shortly after they heard the the uh, monster in the jungle, one of the people commented that the sound was something very familiar. I know for those who've seen it, it's a really unique sound, um, kind of a clicking sound. And uh, one of the people mentioned that it was a familiar sound to them, which which is kind of odd. You would kind of expect a monster to have Mm -hmm. a typical kind of growling sound, but this has a very mechanical sound to it. So I'll be interested to see how that kind of shapes up over time. Yeah, I, I'm very eager to find out what that is. My wife's convinced it's the predator, um, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a good chance she's right. Though. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Yeah. So yeah, I remember the clicking end. noise on that. Yeah, and then and Arnold Schwarzenegger is supposed to make an appearance next season, hopefully. So that's great to That's round great. out the whole predator idea. <laughs> but there were. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I'm uh, I'm just really uh, excited to kind of. I guess kind of figure a little more of that out, but the, you know, like you said, I don't think that's the the, the main premise of the show. It obviously right. kind of goes against that uh, in in the first two episodes. Right, and then uh, of course later on in the episode, the monster comes into the to the scene again when he actually pulls the pilot through the front windows of the plane, and of course mm. they then discover the pilot, you know, up in the tree canopy later on in the episode. So it's uh, clearly either a huge monster that's big enough to put somebody into a tree or it's strong enough to throw somebody into the tree, but uh, it's definitely setting up to be a really scary, (laughs) really imposing monster. Yeah. um, You know, I just, uh, what I, I mean, yes, I know this thing's either huge or strong or whatever, but I'm, I'm like, why is it killing these people? You know, what, what is it? You know, it's like, that's kind of got me, you know, bent is like, uh, just why why is it ha- going to after them and what is its purpose? Because yeah. um, even though it doesn't have like like you said, this, this show's not based around it. It's still uh, definitely a, a afflicting and changing right. the outcome for some of the characters. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think it's I mean it could just be the typical you know um, I forget what they call it, like kind of a fear response where the monster's only killing them because it's not used to having people around, but. It's not really, you know, like this diabolical creature that's with, you know, the sole purpose is to kill everybody that comes into its path. But I mean, I guess right. that possibility is still there. I'm kind of with uh, with Charlie on this one. I think it's a dinosaur. Yeah. Or was <laughs> yeah. that or was was that just that Charlie that said that or no, I, it was uh, it was Hurley. I think it, it was, was Hurley. Hurley. Yeah. Hurley made the comment. It about was. It was like Hurley. I'm, OK. I'm on that. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
it could be a dinosaur, yeah. I guess. But I one thing I noticed is even though we could see the the kind of trees and things being thrown out of the way as it went through the jungle, there wasn't actually any visible sign of it of any kind. You could just right. kind of see that it was moving around, but couldn't really see what it was. And I would think if it were a dinosaur, you would uh, it'd be pretty obvious that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Since you've studied all about dinosaurs, yeah. and uh, <laughs> yeah, since I'm a paleontologist, I think I'm yeah. I'm qualified to say you're that qualified conclusively. Sure. I, okay, so I will definitely take your word on this one. So. <laughs> well, one of the other but, big mysteries that uh, came out uh, early on in the episode was um, uh, when Locke and Walt were having a discussion. They were talking about backgammon, and uh, mm-hmm. at, the, at the end of that discussion. Uh, Locke said, you know, asked Walt if he wanted to know a secret, uh, which, you know, could have been something that isn't important at all because we didn't find out what that was. Um, but I find it's definitely a mystery that they're planting into our minds and uh, want us to be intrigued about what that is. Any any thoughts on what that could possibly be? You know, you know what, um, I, as I rewatched these uh, these uh, first two off of the DVD, um, the pilot, um, I'm. I, I tried to think about what he would may have, may have told him, and I was thinking maybe he was telling him that he saw his uh, his dog, right? Um, and you know, or but then you know, I don't know. And then I was thinking maybe he he was uh, talking to him about uh, the island. I, you know, Locke is such a, a different character that um, it could be uh, many of things, but right. uh, it. It did have a, he was in talking context with the game too, so I don't know. Right. Maybe That's he's talking true. about yeah. just the game. Yeah, they have the whole, you know, two players, one black, one white thing for backgammon, and um, that could have all kinds of different meanings. But, and I guess we can tell everybody too, you've watched the majority of season one now. We've, we've just now started oh, yeah. doing this podcast so we can go back and kind of retrace the steps we've already done and um, kind of catch, catch up to where we're at now. Um, so we do know a few more things about Locke than, that we don't know from this first episode, but we can kind of hold off on discussing those until later. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and even up until the point where I'm at now, I mean, like I, like you said, I, I do know more about him, but, uh, he's still, uh, a strange cookie in my, in my book. So <laughs> were there any, uh, big mystery, other mysteries that you picked up on, uh, through the first, first part of the pilot? Uh, we see here. Uh, well, yeah, well, the fact that there's a polar bear in a tropical, uh, um, you know, on a tropical island, I mean, right. that kind of threw me for a loop. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, that brings up all kinds of questions because it's obvious, for one, the thing didn't swim there, I mean, from Antarctica or something. So it's yes. either placed there by somebody else or it's, you know, there by some kind of supernatural means that we don't really understand yet. But, yeah, seeing a polar bear does a couple of things. One, it creates a real sense of mystery about the island um, because it's not, you know that it's not a normal island when there's a polar bear, you know, in a tropical environment. Uh, so that's, mm-hmm. that's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah. It just, it kind of, uh, I mean, it, well, for one, it was un- it's so unexpected. I mean, you know, there's something's charging at them and, you know, I hear you think it's going to be that thing. It's knocking trees down, which I don't know that polar bears can do that. But uh, <laughs> this, and then this polar bear shows up. And so right. that was definitely uh, kind of a curveball to me. Right. And we find out um, in the process of, of killing that polar bear that uh, Sawyer has actually taken the gun off of the, the U.S. Marshal, who was actually the guy laying there with the shrapnel in his stomach. Um, and we find out also that the prisoner that the U.S. Marshal had was Kate, um, 
Mm -hmm. And of course, they don't really tell us anything about why she was in the custody of the U.S. Marshal. She does seem to be kind of a high profile um, criminal of some kind because, you know, being, you know, escorted onto the plane and in handcuffs on the plane. And uh, there's definitely something going on there. And, And there will be a lot of that addressed over the next few seasons. I think we'll actually have a really good idea of uh, what she actually did, you know, within the next, you know, season or two. Oh, well, I I hope so, because even up until the point where I've watched, um, I'm still just saying, please, for the love of God, tell me what you did. Yeah, Yeah, didn't, and uh, I I can't remember if this is in the pilot or if it's in one of the other upcoming episodes where, you know, she knows that Jack knows that she's a criminal. Um, right. And, you know, asks him if she, if he wants to know what she did. And he says, no, like anybody would really do that. And, you know, no, thanks. I don't I don't really want to know the, the biggest mystery. I was that's going on. I was pretty, pretty close to punching the TV at that <laughs> point. So, yeah, uh, I uh, but yeah, I mean, it gets into, you know, even in the in the pilot, it shows her and, you know, uh, working at this farm and she's just right. mysterious and like even her character from like. Okay, when the farmer shows up and you know points his gun at her, and mm-hmm. um, you know her character from in that in that scene mm-hmm. to the character she was on the island was so different. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, and there's um, I think that uh, one of the, the the themes they start to bring out uh, very very early in season one is the whole um, theme of redemption that all of these people had some kind of baggage on you know before mm-hmm. they came to the island and this island is in some way giving them the ability to kind of let that go and start fresh. And uh, she's probably the best example of that as, you know, on the island, she seems to be really, you know, for the most part, just a great person and doesn't really seem to have, you know, any type of criminal tendencies that you would recognize. And so it'll be be really interesting to see as, as we watch these episodes, you know, how they develop her character and, if they can really convince us that she is, you know, this criminal she's supposed to be. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that's one thing that really like got me hooked um, into this show was, was just um, the characters, um, how character driven it was and how you want to know more about them. And they started kind of like unraveling even just a little bit uh, in the pilot, you know, mm-hmm. about a certain characters. And, and that, that got me uh, immediately. Right. I mean, there's already a love-hate relationship with with some of these uh, characters, you know. Uh, some of them I love, some of them I hate, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and uh, it's just kind of funny how that works out, even from the get-go, you know. Like, yeah. like I told you before, I was definitely trying my best to like have a villain and a good, you know, good guy, good girl, or whatever, and uh, kind of set my the mood of the show. But then they come back and they run some of that with, uh, oh, you, but you don't know the story. Yeah, know? yeah. And I think we even had a discussion about that when we were watching that. You know, you mentioned that you really didn't like uh, Jen's character, the Korean man. And uh, oh. yeah, <laughs> because of, you know, a lot of the way he was, you know, behaving toward his wife and things like that. And, and those things are really frustrating. But like I like I told you, they will come around and, and make you really like his character. Yeah. And, but um, another another tidbit they gave us was about Sawyer, the, uh, the kind of redneck rough guy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they show him, uh, reading a letter, which, uh, we can only assume is something important to him cause he's kind of sitting there and really thoughtfully reading it. And, uh, luckily we'll get to know what that's all about really soon here as well. But, um, he's another character that they, they kind of start out hating on him pretty bad. And then, uh, down the road here pretty quickly, they'll start to show you that there's a lot more to him than, than you think. 
Oh yeah, I was one. He was one of the ones that I that I definitely was hating on. <laughs> you know, I uh, just couldn't couldn't get uh, get him. You know, even though he had some of the best one-liners right, uh, right. I've, I've heard, so um, he kept the the show fun, you know, funny enough, and and uh, also just interesting on his own. But like I, his character, I was just like, oh, he's such a jerk. You know, what's wrong with this man? But um, yeah, and still at this point, I'm I'm kind of feeling the same way towards him. So. Yeah, and they actually they kind of played up the whole you know social commentary thing with him and Saeed at the beginning, and you know he accused Saeed of being a terrorist and talked about how he was sitting, you know, in a different part of the plane and, you know, just so happened that the guy he was with didn't make it, you know, insinuating that basically they were, you know, terrorist bombers or something and they're the ones that mm-hmm. took down the plane. And um, I thought it was, you know, interesting related to that, you know, Hurley and Saeed were having that conversation later and, um, you know, they were kind of bonding and Hurley said something to him about, you know, asking him if he'd ever seen, you know, time in battle because he was a military communications officer. And he finds out that, you know, Saeed was you know, fighting basically for Iraq instead of, you know, the U.S. side, which Hurley assumed. Mm-hmm. And there's just uh, one of the great things about this show that's been there from the very beginning is just their great writing for their characters and just really exploring kind of uh, modern, important, you know, issues that are really, really important in our society today. And that's that's one of the great things about the people that, that do the writing on this show. Definitely, yeah. I picked up on that, and and um, I when you said that, it kind of – you can see Hurley kind of like back off. A yeah, little, like, yeah, it kind of freaked, oh, freaked him out a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, where's Sawyer at? Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's he's jumping the other side already. So. Right. And then, then of uh, course, they get their their group together and they they decide they're going to take the transceiver from the plane and trek up to the a higher point on the island and basically try to get a signal out so they can call for help. But uh, they discover that. Um, they're, what's blocking their signal isn't the fact that they were so, you know, low and kind of in a valley, but, but there was another signal already going out. Um, and they find out that it was a distress call uh, that's been, that was recorded by a, a French woman uh, 16 years ago. And basically that distress call has been playing on a loop uh, for 16 years. And, and, you know, we can assume she was never rescued or else they probably would have, you know, deactivated that distress call. Uh, any thoughts on, you know, why in the world, you know, this person would have been there for 16 years on this same weird island and you never would have been rescued? Uh, well, I was going to come right back with when any, any thoughts on why she'd be on this island for 16 years. I was going to say because she's never been rescued, but you stole yeah. my answer. But <laughs> yeah. That's about as far as I've got with it. So yeah. <laughs> um, I just, you know, it just once again, it's one of those scenes where it's like, um, is this all a setup? Is this right. something that you know people know about? And there's there's not there's nothing to be rescued from because um, they they don't want they don't want to rescue her. They don't want to rescue these people. You know this is some kind of um, I don't know. It's like reality. There's a reality TV show. You know they've, they've started yeah. their own Truman <laughs> Show. You know, and I think that's so. actually one of the theories that came up early on in the show is that this was kind of. Um, you know, a sadistic Truman show where they really put these people in this situation just to see how they would react. Um, but we, well, I, oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just saying, I thought to me, what came to mind was that, that, um, you ever hear the, like the, the lifeboat, you know, where mm-hmm. you got all these people on the boat and you had to pick who's going to make it off. Right. You know, that's, that was kind of my, my initial, like, just thought was, okay, this is like 
a like a life version of lifeboat you know a right. show version of lifeboat where these characters are all from different walks of life and they kind of have to choose and and build their their community right. uh, among themselves you know that and that was my first impression of the show yeah kind of like they they each find out little bits about each other as time goes by so they can kind of determine you know who they really want to to survive and who they would rather just kind of be you know cast off to the side that's that's a really interesting idea. Yeah, and, and well, even even with the characters themselves, they start assigning people themselves. They're like, uh-huh. well, you know, like Sawyer throws her the badge. He's like, well, you know, you know, this th- you you get this, and she, you know, you're the you're the you're the cop or whatever you call it, or you know, mm-hmm. I give that to Kate, and then and then obviously Jack is like the president or whatever you want to call him. He's <laughs> yeah. He's from the beginning. He's running around helping everybody, and mm-hmm. and um, poor old Boone. He's trying to help everybody, but he just just can't pull yeah. it together. Yeah, it's it's you kind know? of the lifeguard versus the doctor, and he's just outclassed a little bit. Yeah, I feel a little bad for him. Yeah, yeah, lie. but you can definitely tell they are just kind of thrusting Jack to the forefront. That you know he is going to be the leader uh, regardless. And uh, yeah, and, and this is interesting too. You, uh, this won't really give anything away to you, but uh, one of the things that um, I have saw from watching some of the special features on the season one DVDs is that they originally had planned for Jack to be killed. Um, I think if I remember mm. right, he was going to be the guy that got pulled out of the plane by the monster. And he was the, no, it was whenever they were running away, he was going to be snatched up by the monster and basically was going to be killed. So they were going to get you really super attached to Jack as a character. And, you know, he was going to be the leader and you were for sure that he was going to be the main character of the show. And then they were going to kill him. And oh, show over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it didn't test well, as you can imagine, with their with their test no. viewers. Uh, so they changed that, and uh, you know he wasn't even going to be in the second half of the pilot, which I can't even imagine this show with without him in it. Really. No, me me either. And now that you tell me that, I'm I'm just a little bit upset. I don't know why, but gonna, <laughs> even though you, little... even though you know it's okay and he, and he's going to be fine, you just you're just not happy about it. I'm not because I'm I'm convinced that him and Kate are getting married and having beautiful babies. Well, so. that's the thing. This is another cool thing about the show is the writer said early on that, you know, while they knew exactly how this show was going to end, they had a point A and a you know a point B. They knew where they were going, but within that there was all kinds of room to go back and forth and to hit different storylines and different plots. So, I mean, while they may have had one plan in the beginning, it doesn't mean that they can't totally you know, shift things around after they decided to keep him. So that, that storyline is still very, you know, possible. So I wouldn't necessarily worry that those things aren't going to pan out. That's true. That's true. I, uh, I did, I did hear something like that. Cause I think I heard even Hurley say, well, the character, um, uh, the guy that plays the character Hurley say that mm-hmm. at one point he was, he was supposed to be killed off and, um, and that um, he was glad that there was the flexibility and the understanding and and the belief in him to to keep the character around. And I was like, that's really cool that they they have so much flexibility with inside the show itself to mm-hmm. to change you know on the fly. Yeah, you'll see. There's definitely a ton of flexibility, and that's what um, like for a long time the conversations online were centered around the idea of um, you know if they have this really elaborate plot that they're trying to create how is it possible that they can have all this flexibility for all of these little, you know, intermediary um, storylines and still end up with something that's going to satisfy everyone at the end? You know, because you would think if it's a really intricate story, you would have to be really careful about all the details, you know, that come between the beginning and the end. But apparently the the end of this show is going to be 
you know, such that all of these twists and turns that you'll encounter will actually make sense. And not only make sense, they actually fit within that storyline. Yeah, it's it's honestly, it's just it's just good TV. I mean, it is it, really. this 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 is one of the things that I love about it. it is it's movie quality TV, you know, and um, I, that's what I it's every time I watch it, I'm so blown away with the, the fact that this could be, you know, I could have went and watched this in the theater, exactly, on, you know, and and loved every minute of it. But they're uh-huh. doing it, you know, on TV. It's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that struck me is like. I have never seen a TV show with the cinematic quality that this this show has. It's like, and I guess Alias was as good, but I didn't start watching Alias until after I had I'd started watching Lost. But um, every episode seems to be given the um, the amount of care and the production quality of you know a normal you know blockbuster movie, and that really pays off for them, I think, because you can tell just watching it that this is this is a special show with a really talented group of people working on it. Almost definitely. I mean, I when I first, one of the first things I noticed when I turned it on first, you know, Matthew Fox, you know, you party of five, you know, fans yeah. out there. I'm like, yeah, you know, Matt, yeah. make a comeback, you know. And then you got you got uh, Mercutio from Romeo and Juliet, right? You know? Right, right. That, that was Michael, one of the things yeah. I yeah I said to you. I was like, oh, Mercutio, and and uh, it just uh, the fact that the cast is so diverse and and, mm-hmm. and they are all so talented. I mean, um, just makes this uh, show so 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 good. Yeah, this uh, one of the interesting thing too was from the the uh, special features on the DVD, which this is one of the great things about doing this show after the DVDs have been out, you know, several years after the first season was out, is we can kind of reference a lot of these materials that weren't available for the people that were, you know, doing these shows at the time the show was new. Is um, they actually didn't have a listing of what all the cast, you know, the list of the people they needed for the cast. It was kind of like they had a couple of people they knew they needed to get. Um, but everybody else, it's like they just tried out great actors, and if that person was really great, they found a place to put them in the show, and which oh, I, wow. I've never heard that really done before. No, that's pretty awesome. I mean, but you know what? What we're all talking about here is the reason why this show is so different and so good, and mm-hmm. why so many people have fallen in love with it. It's because right. of, honestly, it's, it started with that type of mentality, and, and right. it just shows, you know, so. Okay, we'll get back to the storyline here. I think I had one yeah. more item. The big mystery, of course, is you know the last line by Charlie. It's you know the major question of the show, and I think it's probably the biggest uh, mystery of the show. Is you know, guys, where are we? Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, this this island is. I mean, just in this first episode, they've given us a lot of things to really make us question. You know, where in the world, or are they even in the world, or you know, where are they at, and where is this island, and you know, is it really happening? Is this uh, something that's fake and staged? Are they in like a virtual reality matrix system of some kind? Or, you know, is this actually just really happening in real life? You know, yeah, I'm, I, I'm at a loss for words on that. I mean, <laughs> I have no idea where they're at. I mean, a beautiful place, we can say that, but mm-hmm. scary nonetheless. So, um, it's just the, the island itself is spooky in what it has, you know, on it with the monsters and, and just the fact that, uh, they have no idea what, I mean, the scary French woman, I mean, right. I, I, I don't know. I, to me, I have, I have no idea. And I've watched, you know, like you said, the majority of season one, and I'm still at the point where I'm like, I have no idea where they're at at all. Yeah. And I think, uh, I remember from some of the special features, um, that the uh, original working title for the show was The Circle. Um, the pilot they had written was 
what was like had a working title of the circle, which I, I thought forever trying to think if that might have some um, importance in the overall mystery of the show, but uh, nothing came to mind uh, right up front. But over on lostpedia.com, there's um, an article called The Genesis of Lost that kind of talks about um, the show uh, when they first started planning it and how it came about, which is kind of an interesting story. They had decided to have a, a retreat and, um, you know, everyone that was supposed to come to the retreat with a pitch, you know, an idea um, for a new show they wanted to do. And somebody said that they wanted to do, um, you know, kind of a Gilligan's Island, you know, show, but more of a uh, serious drama, <laughs> which I thought was kind okay. of interesting. Um, but of course, they were kind of against it because, you know, Castaway had just come out and everyone was just kind of thinking, you know, they don't want to do a, you know, a 45 minute show of a guy talking to a volleyball, you know. Um, that's true but yeah. i thought it was kind of interesting that the show was originally called the circle yeah i actually i mean i mean it's not i guess it's not awful but uh now that i've watched it i it just to me it seems like lost is is the perfect name um but uh like you said i wonder if the whole circle thing if that's got some kind of meaning to it but uh like circle of life where we're yeah. all part of this thing i you know now you got my head thinking around that but lost yeah. is perfect yeah, but I'm, when you think about it in terms of the writer's perspective, you know, if you came up with an idea for a TV show, um, your your probably first inclination is going to be to think of a title that you know maybe at least you know indirectly relates to what the overarching you know con you know the overarching story is for the show. So I, I right. it just drives me crazy thinking about you know what do they mean or what does that mean to them when they called it the circle. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think that can go in a thousand different directions, but immediately you just think about like how these people uh, have joined a, and made a community, and 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 how their their lives have now intertwined, you know. And uh, I actually had a conversation with my wife about this. I was like, she's like, you know, had these people went on and their plane never crashed, they would have got off of their air flight, and and we were, we were talking about how they would have went on with their lives, you know, no right. no no interaction with one another. Honestly, they. There was very few conversations that happened on the plane. There was a couple that we did see, but I mean, how many times have you been on a plane? You know, you right. might talk to one person, but mm-hmm. outside of that, it's really just surface conversations. But and if that would happen, they would have got off the plane, went on about their lives, uh, just as well, just as the way it was at that point. But instead, right. they had this life-altering thing happen to them. Now they're thrown into an environment, hostile environment, even at that, mm-hmm. where they have to draw together. They have to learn about one another, and they have to depend on each other. You right. know, and it's just, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just really, really cool. I mean, uh, it's it's unique. Yeah, I think one of the parts I really like about the the pilot episode is the part where you know Kate is stitching up you know Jack's nasty wound. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that he's gotten and um he tells her this you know really great story about you know being in residency and doing this operation and accidentally you know makes a mistake and basically puts the patient's oh. life on the line and no, uh, he said it was angel her pasta that came yeah, out yeah. of the nerves <laughs> yeah let's oh get my the, gosh well actually yeah it was the dural he ripped the dural sack and all of the spinal oh. spinal fluid started pouring out and it looked like angel hair pasta and she makes the, the nerves. Curve. Yeah, all the nerves started spilling out. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah with with the spinal fluid. I could, I for whatever reason, that to me was just an image that I could not erase. From yeah, my... almost like you can feel it. Like my back starts tingling oh. when I think about it. <laughs> but exactly. My, but my point was that, um, you know, Kate makes the comment that 
you know, if it were her, she would have ran away. You know, she would not have been able to deal with it. And, uh, you know, Jack makes the comment that, you know, you're not running now, which, you know, means kind of two things. Obviously she helped him out and wasn't afraid of it. But also to me, it's like, you know, he doesn't realize that she is running from the law. You know, she is totally constantly on the run as we'll start to see more and more. She just cannot stay in one place and just her whole life is nothing but, you know, a long run. Exactly. Same thing happens with Charlie's character. You know, mm-hmm. they're walking back from the uh, where they went and found uh, the other part of the plane. And, you know, Kate looks at him and tells him that she's glad that he came. And mm-hmm. uh, he's like, every, you know, every group needs a coward. And she goes, you know, you're not a coward. Right. You know, and yeah. he has this moment where he just kind of stops and looks. And then he kind of goes into his story more. And it's like he in, in like same thing with what you just said about Kate. In his mind, he is a coward because he's, you know, he's heroin addict right know. and did they get into that whole issue of the heroin at him being a heroin addict yeah. in, the, in the pilot yep i, I yeah, couldn't remember if they just showed him you know going in the bathroom to to get the stuff but we didn't really know why he was in there or if they actually did tell us that he was a heroin addict in that first episode no, he, he uh one of the opening scenes is him going over and and using you know um you know that he takes the the, the bag out of his shoe and, and uses oh okay and then okay. uh and then they, when they get there, they, they ask him um, why he went to the, the – or Kate asked him why she, he had went in there, and he said, yeah, I was sick. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I thought you uh, know, yeah. At that point, we, we kind of were like, oh. But, uh, um, yeah, he was covering up for the fact that he got that, and it shows in the pilot that he was, that he was uh, you know, usually using, using heroin. And, right. And we see why he was so insistent on going with them when they were going to find the front section of the plane and, and get the transceiver. Exactly. It wasn't like because he was, you know, so bored and didn't want to stand around there waiting to be rescued. It was, you know, that he needed to get back there and, and get his fix so he could, you know, start feeling normal again. Right. Hence why he felt convicted when she said, you know, you're not a coward. Yeah, He's exactly. Like, oh, but you, but you don't yeah, know. And the same you know, reason yeah. why Kate, exactly the same reason why Kate's, kind of give Jack that whole look like, Oh, you're not running now. She's like, you have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Overall. I mean, this is, um, obviously this is the episode that kind of set the tone for the show. And this is the episode that got so many people interested in the show. Um, I do think that the, the show actually got more popular, um, after the, the first episode of the second season. But, um, I, I, once I went back and watched all of the season one, I just, I really wish that I could have been along for the ride the whole time. And, this show just set um, the bar so high for any TV show coming after it. And uh, that's, that's why I'm so excited to be doing this podcast and uh, look forward to covering more and more episodes over time. And hopefully we can try to do at least one or two a week. You think that's possible? Definitely. But, uh, well, I, it's, it's, it's been fun just trying to figure it out and uh, to have someone to talk about. It makes it that much better. Right. Yeah. Well, everyone else, um, you can check us out on our next episode, hopefully in the next week or so. Um, but for now, you can go to our website. It's lostmysterypodcast.com, and you can subscribe via iTunes or RSS there. And you can also follow us on, follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash lmpodcast. That's T-W-I-T-T-E-R dot com slash lmpodcast. And until then, we will see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs>